0: Hey, you're listening to Blue Gene Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Gene Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluegeneselma.com. I'm so excited to be here this morning, and I'm so honored and grateful to be in front of you and I'm so glad that each of you is here, and I think that each of you is also going to be glad that you're here, because today is a divine appointment um, for us. When when I was preparing for this sermon and praying um, last week, uh, I went down by the river for a little while, and the Holy Spirit spoke something to me that I was very surprised by, but I found profound and wanted to share with you, which is that the message that I'm gonna share with you this morning is the most important message that I could share with you and the most important message that God sent me from Boston to Blue Jean to share. And so I'm a little bit nervous. My heart's like pumping out of my chest and my hand is shaking a little bit, but y'all are with me, right? Okay, amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And, and, And the reason, Bob and and Josh, and can you imagine ministering? Oh, my God, we get to minister with such great people. Um, Today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost, um, I talked to a couple people this week who didn't know what Pentecost was, and so I want to just explain that real quick. Pentecost was the day 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus on Easter and 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven when the holy spirit descended upon us upon the believers in Jesus. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to investigate that a little bit and talk about what that meant for us and what it means for us today. And y'all that me- <laughs> ah, that means that today's Pentecost Sunday The Holy Spirit is already here in our midst. And I just want to say something up front to you. If I shout today at some point, you might have to forgive me, okay? If I get excited and start dancing in the middle of my sermon, please bear with me. And I'm going to make a deal with you, which is if you feel the Holy Spirit and you want to start dancing, I won't be offended by you. Is that okay, Rick? Okay. All right. So let's, let's pray, and then let's get into the word. God, thank you that this place, Blue Jean Selma, 1209 Selma Avenue, God, this is a lightning rod, and we are waiting, God, and we are expecting for you to ratchet up the electricity in this place this morning. Each one of us in here, God, is a lightning rod. Let your lightning fall and your fire fall in this place this morning. God, we promise in the name of Jesus Christ that we will not take credit for anything that happens. But God, we want everything that you have for us. And so, Lord, every, we want to know your word and know you better than we ever have. And so our hearts are soft. We want to hear what you have to say this morning, Holy Spirit, and we thank you that you are the one with the power. You are the one who brings us clarity and revelation. And so, God, you are here, and we thank you for that. And because of that, all nervousness doesn't matter. None of it matters. We thank you that you can use anybody. God, in the, in the word, you even spoke through a donkey. And so we believe that you can use us, and we thank you for that. And, God, reveal what you want to us this morning. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start off with a little game. The game is this. I'm going to start reading the Bible from the very first word. And I want you to put your hand up when the Holy Spirit is introduced in the Bible. Is that understood? In other words, I'm going to start reading from the beginning. And you raise your hand when you hear the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit was with us at the beginning before God created man, the Holy Spirit was here. Before God created the animals, the Holy Spirit was here. Before God created land, the Holy Spirit was here. Even before God created light and darkness, Spirit was here. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was present throughout the entire thing and oftentimes would fall and anoint certain individual believers. Bless you. Let's, but the, the we need to understand a couple of important things about the way that the Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament. The most important thing is that the Holy Spirit came upon people, that's the phrase that was often used. The Holy Spirit would, quote, come upon or come on someone. And it would only be temporary in many cases. In other words, the Holy Spirit would come on someone for a specific task. For instance, when Moses started building the tabernacle, there was one individual that God spoke to Moses and said, I have anointed this person and the Holy Spirit has come on this person To build the specific part of the tabernacle. In other words, the Holy Spirit anointed that person for one specific purpose and only temporarily. Let's look as an example, and you don't need to turn there. We're gonna I'm gonna lead us in a little bit. Let's look for an example at this of what how the Holy Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament. Let's look at King Saul, not Paul the Apostle before he. You know, had his interaction, but King Saul. After Samuel anointed him to be king of Israel, we read in. Oh, I got it all set up ready. Thank you, Jesus. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 10. It says this When he, Saul, and his servant arrived at Gabeah, a procession of prophets met him the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. In other words, Saul, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul and it says came upon him powerfully. And we read that after he became, anoint, after he became appointed as king, the same thing. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6. When Saul heard these words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him. In other words, you see that the Holy Spirit was coming upon, powerfully upon Saul. But check this out. This is my main point. Saul sinned and and violated and disobeyed God. And when he did that, let's see what happens. 1 Samuel 16, verse 14 the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So you can see that King Saul only had the Holy Spirit upon him and the anointing of the Holy Spirit temporarily. He had it, made a mistake, and the Holy Spirit got taken from him. Somebody who saw that happening was King David. King David, at the same time that Saul was losing his anointing, King David was gaining his anointing. The word says the word says this in 1 Samuel 16, verse um, 13. It says, The Spirit of the of the Lord came powerfully upon David. In other words, the Holy Spirit had anointed Saul, he made a mistake, the Holy Spirit anointed David and fell upon fell upon David. No wonder that we read that after David cheated on cheated and slept with Bathsheba and then killed her husband why he said what he said in Psalm 51, verse 11. David says this, do not cast me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David was terrified that what had happened to Saul was gonna happen to him. That he had had the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was gonna be taken from him the same way that it had happened to Saul. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on people temporarily that it could be taken away, it could be lost. How many of you know that we are not living under the old covenant? Are you thankful that we have a new covenant? My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Jesus, thank you for the new covenant. Do you ever, do you ever think about how lucky are we to be alive right now in 2022? All this mess is going on in the world, right? But who cares about that stuff? The bad news, the was—the news that, that is not the truth, all that stuff, and then here we are in the good news. Living in a time after Jesus rose, after Pentecost. I'm going to slow down a second. Don't encourage me, Ms. Amy. Good. Let's talk briefly before we get to our main reading for today. Let's talk briefly about what Jesus promised about the Holy Spirit before Pentecost happened and before Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, Bob and Josh love talking about this, and it seems like we've been in this for months. The night before Jesus was crucified, he's sitting with his disciples for the last time, and like they've hammered so well. Jesus, I think Bob's direct quote from last Sunday's message was Jesus wasn't talking about football. He was talking about the most important teachings and lessons that he knew that they needed to hear before he got crucified. And he talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. This is what he said, part of what he said. First, in John 14, and you can turn there with me if you want to. This is not going to be our main place, but we are going to be close to here. John 14, verse 18 Jesus promised, he told the disciples that he was going to be crucified and, right, that he was going to leave. But he promised them this, I will not leave you as orphans. My God. Why was he not going to leave us as orphans? He explained it in verses 16 and 17. This is what he said, John 14, verse 16 and into 17. He said this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, a couple of things that you might notice there. First, the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. He's promising that the Holy Spirit, he was, when he went to heaven, he was gonna have the Father send the Holy Spirit back so that you and I would not be orphaned, so that we wouldn't have to think about, oh, how lucky were the disciples when they were able to walk with Jesus. Because we would have the spirit of Jesus right here with us. How how long? Why? Hold up. First of all, why? To help us. Anybody catch on to the other key thing that he said about the Holy Spirit right there? For those of you listening online, they said forever. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would be with us to help us and be with us forever. Do you we don't even understand, we don't even fathom how amazing the new covenant is. We don't even realize what Jesus paid on that cross, we don't even understand the half of it. Because in the Old Testament, people worried and feared about the Holy Spirit leaving them. But Jesus promised for you and promised for me that the Holy Spirit would be with us to help us, not at specific moments, not temporarily, forever. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit is here right now. Because this is forever. Right now is forever. What else did Jesus promise? Well, if the night before his resurrection was an important moment, let's look at what he said about the Holy Spirit again right before he ascended to heaven. And so turn with me And now you can turn in your Bible with me to Acts chapter 1. These are some of the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended to heaven. And this is what he said. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, I'll just point point out there in verse 4, the gift my father has promised. We'll get into that. Verse eight, he speaks again. This is the last thing that Jesus spoke before he ascended to heaven. He said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea in Samaria to the ends of the earth. What we recognize today on Pentecost Sunday is what happened when what Jesus had been speaking about came into reality. Let's go to, let's go to Acts chapter 2. start by reading verses 1 through 4. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. My God. My God. Let's talk about a few things. And, and I, I, I'd like for you to have your scripture open in front of you because I want to show you some things here. And I want to really get into this text today. First, when I was, when I say when I was growing up, I got saved at Blue Jean when I was 22. So I don't want you to think that this is when I was a child. But when I was growing up in in my faith, I heard oftentimes people talk about, if you want the Holy Spirit to fall on you and to fall on a congregation the way that it did on Pentecost, there are some things that have to be required they said, one thing that has to be required is everyone in the place has to be completely united and unified. Has anybody ever heard that before? Now, I wondered where that came from. And what I found is that in the King James Version, and and you all know that the King James Version for hundreds of years was the definitive translation that Christians relied on it used this terminology. Where the NIV says when, this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The King James Version said this, they were all, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The New King James Version kept that translation. I did not find that terminology with one accord in any other translation And in fact, I found footnote after footnote after footnote in every study Bible that I looked at that said, that is a mistranslation of that word. What the King James Version translated as, with one accord, really means just together. In other words, all of us here, the Holy Spirit does not require all of us to be singing kumbaya together and to have nothing between each other and to all be in perfect unity. Now, I'm not here this morning to trash unity, okay? Unity in a congregation is an amazing, beautiful thing. And by the way, I wish wish you could see what happens when the elders team in this church gets together. It's ridiculous. One person will say something and everyone else in the place will say, that's what was on my heart too. The unity that God has blessed this congregation with is crazy. That said, Unity is not a requirement for the Holy Spirit to fall as on Pentecost. Now, it's one thing for our, our, that's what the Bible says, but it also does match with experiences I've had. One of the most crazy days that when the fire of God fell on a congregation I've ever experienced was in Boston on a Friday night. It was off the chain beautiful. Beautiful. Every, when the Spirit of God broke through in that place, uh, the preacher didn't get to give their sermon. It came during praise and worship. And when it happened, everyone in that place was worshiping God in their own way because the presence of God was so powerful. I saw my buddy, Kinesius jump over a pew just to get to the front of the church. But everyone did not jump over a pew. Everyone worshiped and honored God in their own way. God had also given me a position at that church to see stuff behind the scenes. And I knew that at that time, there was rebellion, there was dissension, there were people challenging what was being taught in the church. There was not perfect unity in that congregation. But the Spirit of God fell just as on Pentecost. And so, it does not require for all of us to be completely united. Second, Sometimes, and and you might have heard this too, I heard it sometimes, that in order for that to happen in a congregation, that you have to tarry. Has anyone ever heard that word tarry in in church before? It means to wait. And oftentimes, people would say, in order for the Spirit of God to come in our midst, we have to tarry. My buddy Mark was telling me about a pastor who said, they had never experienced the Holy Spirit when they had prayed for less than an hour. What I'm here to tell you is that that has not been my experience and that that, I'm going to show you where that comes from in the Bible. Do you remember when we just looked at Acts chapter 1? When we just looked at Acts chapter 1, Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father wait for the gift my father promised would you have heard me speak about some of the old excuse me some of the older saints of of prior generations said the same way that the disciples had to wait for the holy spirit to arrive so do we y'all can i tell you today's pentecost sunday right can i tell you when pentecost happened over 2000 years ago the day that Jesus told them to wait for was over 2,000 years ago. Y'all, I, just, I, was, thinking about, I was thinking about this this week, and here's what I thought of. My sister, my sister hates surprise parties, but her, some of our friends organized a surprise party for her a number of years ago in Boston. And I went, and we were waiting at this restaurant. With, I was waiting with my family and all of, our, all of her friends and stuff, And my brother and I were at the window, and we were just looking out, waiting, talking about how excited we were for Emma to show up. When Emma, we saw her walking down the the sidewalk, and we got all excited. She walked in, and the place erupted. Everyone started celebrating. Everyone started rejoicing. We started eating. We started dancing. We started talking with each other. whoever, those of us who are waiting for the Holy Spirit are like if I had waited at the window, waiting for Emma when she was right behind me already in the building. Can you imagine? I'm like, hey, keep it down where I'm waiting for my sister to show up and I I don't realize that Emma was already in our midst. What am I here to tell you? I'm here to tell you that Jesus said he was here, Holy Spirit was here to help us and to be with us forever. Reiner Bonnke said it like this. Since Pentecost happened 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit hasn't been waiting for us. Or excuse me, we have not been waiting for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been waiting for us to wake up and realize that he's already here. Next, maybe you've heard that in order to receive the Holy Spirit, you are required to be holy. Sometimes people talk about the fact that, you know, if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to be living righteously. And we, well, we need to be living in a holy manner. We can't be sinning. Y'all, if we could receive the whole, if we could become holy without receiving the Holy Spirit, why would we have the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you a secret. The Holy Spirit is attracted to our sting because if we realize that, Hey, I can't do it on my own and I'm completely reliant on the Holy Spirit for my help. You know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? The Holy Spirit's going to come in and help you achieve your goals. We're not required to be holy on our own. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit. And so the idea that that if I make a mistake, that I'm supposed to go before and, and go in my prayer room for 17 hours and pray like David, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's an Old Testament mindset. The New Testament mindset is when I make mistakes, and I do make mistakes, I say, Holy Spirit, I know I need you now more than ever. I need you. I'm fully dependent on you. And I can tell you right now, I can do absolutely nothing without the Holy Spirit. Why do I know that? It's what Jesus said. Can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. But let's, let's tackle the elephant in the room. Let me read something to you and I'm gonna look at your faces. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Y'all, I bet I bet if someone had shown me that scripture when I first got saved, I would have run the other direction. Tongues of fire? What the world? What is this thing talking about? Now, some Biblical scholars think that the tongues of fire described in Acts 1 or Acts 2 are the same as the pillars of fire that are described in Exodus that guided the Israelites through, uh, out of Egypt. But let's look a little bit more deeply at what these tongues of fire, what what does that mean? Let's look at that. And I think the answer for it is here. In Matthew, you don't have to turn there with me, but in Matthew chapter 3, here's what John the Baptist said, verse 11, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit dwells in fire. And when we get baptized with the Holy Spirit, we get baptized with fire. The, the Passion Translation, which is, I think, Josh, is it the only one that looks at it? The one that focuses solely on Aramaic, right? Is kind of like the point of it. It looks at the Aramaic, which was the language that these people, that they were speaking. And it says that maybe the best translation of that would be this. He will baptize you with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've, we've talked a lot about baptism in the last month for the most beautiful and amazing reason ever. Is it amazing what God's been doing in our congregation or what? The number of people getting baptized this stuff is so fun and so exciting and bob gave a great message I don't, it wasn't a sermon but he said something really good a couple weeks ago when he was talking about it he talked about how the word "baptize" is the word in greek baptizo and it was used by the people who who like did stuff with garments and to be baptizo Baptizo means to fully immerse or submerge. And so the reason it was used in Greece by people talking about taking clothing, dunking it into water filled with dye, and taking it out. That's what baptizo was to dunk clothes or other stuff into water and pull it out. Now, when that happens to us, when we get baptized, We get baptized in water for repentance. The same way that John did it, anybody can do it, right? Bob can baptize somebody, okay? Anyone, any. I didn't mean to. I'm not throwing daggers this morning, I promise, Bob. But it could be done by a human being. A human being can baptize you in water. That's what John the Baptist did. But the word "baptize," of what to describe what John did, is the same "baptizo" word used in, here in Matthew in Matthew three verse eleven. He will baptize you. Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. The NIV says that it can be translated with the Holy Spirit and fire, or in the Holy Spirit and in fire here's what I'm here to tell you this morning we sometimes have an idea of the Holy Spirit getting baptized by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit comes in into our hearts and it's true our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit but y'all look at what it's think about what I just talked about baptizo fully submerged and out fully dunked like like we saw last week at, at Bob's, or a couple weeks ago at Bob's cabin, a human being plopped into the water and taken out. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire, the same thing happens. We don't get a little bit. We get dunked in a river of fire and taken out. It's not a little bit. We are fully submerged and immersed in the Holy Spirit the same way that someone is for water baptism. Let's talk about this. All right, all right, all right, Pat, all right, preacher. I was a little freaked out about the the whole tongue of fire thing. I'm kind of freaked out about getting dunked in a river of fire and, and I don't, I'm scared of that. Why would anyone want this baptism in the Holy Spirit and baptism in fire? Why would anybody want it? I don't have, oh, my God, we could spend the rest of the month and the rest of the year talking about and answering this question. We could talk about the fruit of the Spirit, for instance. Love and joy and peace and all these amazing things that come when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, these things manifest and are produced by us and in us. Bob was preaching last week the powerful message of conviction about love and about us loving people. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I don't, Shelby, I don't know if you're watching today, but this is for you. Derek Prince used to say it this way. He said, it is impossible to experience true joy without experiencing a true infilling of the Holy Spirit. And he also said it's also, to, it, it's also impossible to experience the Holy Spirit and not experience joy. The fruits go hand in hand with each other. The Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit are combined and linked. If we want to experience true love, we have to experience the Holy Spirit. Y'all, it's it's exhausting. Trying to do stuff without the Holy Spirit is exhausting. I've been there before. Rock Hobbs talked about it as, quote, the room of, of striving. My first two years in Selma, I was striving hard. I had such a heart for the kids that I taught every day. I loved them. I wanted to be there for them. I wanted to be patient with them. I wanted to be faithful and have hope. But y'all, it was exhausting. I couldn't do it in my own power. I was regularly frustrated, regularly depleted, regularly completely burnt out. And when I was completely burnt out and depleted, do you think I had patience? Do you think I had joy? Do you think I had peace? I didn't have any of that stuff. My heart was right and I loved, I was learning to love Jesus at that time, but I, I didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. And it was exhausting. It's like when we, when we do this stuff, when we try to do this Christian walk without being filled with the Holy Spirit, we start off as a grape and we end up as a raisin. Now, I'm not here to, 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 to speak over you that you are going to be a raisin, raisin or a grape today because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like we become the Energizer Bunny. We are constantly going around, ready to go, ready to move, ready to act. You need me to have joy? I got joy deep down, I can show it. I got peace deep down in my heart, doesn't matter. All that stuff, the fruit just happens. We don't have to do it on our own. That's how sometimes, last Sunday, I was struggling a little bit. And I could tell that I was struggling a little bit. What did I, I was struggling with some things in my heart. I was saying, Where's the joy? Where's the peace that I've become so accustomed to? I needed to go, and I needed to get another experience with the Holy Spirit, and I've felt amazing ever since. That happens sometimes. If we work in our own effort, in our own doing, without the Holy Spirit, it's exhausting. Am I the only one that's ever experienced that? Okay, just making sure, making sure. Why, would somebody, why else would somebody want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Y'all, we could literally spend hours and hours and hours talking about what are called the gifts of the Spirit in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. All these amazing things, the ability to teach, the ability to encourage in a way that isn't exhausting, the ability to prophesy, the power to... Speak in tongues or the power to lay hands on the sick and see them get healed. And by the way, you remember uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that Bob read for us last week? It's not by accident that that falls in between 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If we want to love people with patience and with kindness and without any record of wrong, we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. There might be, I love all the powers of the Holy Spirit. I love all the giftings of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but sometimes we get it wrong because we think that the most important gifting is speaking in tongues. The most important gifting is being able to love the way that God wants us to love. That's why that has a whole chapter right in the middle when it's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If we want to love the way the people, the way that if we want to love people the way we want to and the way God wants us to, we need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. If we want to be the husband or the wife or the father or the mother, even the uncle or the aunt or whatever, if we want to love anybody well, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength. But all right. Who is this gift for? The Bible's amazing, isn't it? God is so good. Let me, read, let me read this to you. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Each. Going forward, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit all. That means each and all. There were 120 people in the upper room. Do you know how many of them were filled with the Holy Spirit? All of them, 120 of them. That means that there was a tongue of fire for each individual that was present in the upper room. And there's a tongue of fire for each of us right here in this place today. Each one, each, all. Those are the words that he uses. Let's see what it, when all this went down, let's see how Peter described it and explained it. He does this a little bit later in uh, Acts chapter two. He says this, um, this is verse 14. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. and they will prophesy. Peter took that prophetic, prophetic word, that prophecy from Joel, and brought it right here to explain what happened on Pentecost. When he did that, he specifically identified the gender, the gender thing. He said both male and female, sons and daughters. This is not a gender-specific gift. goes way beyond that too. It doesn't have to do with old or young, doesn't have to do with white or black or any other limitation or boundary that we could create. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And that's exactly what happened on Pentecost. And so who is this gift available for this morning? This gift is available for each and every one of us. Now, okay, in case I need to go further, let me go a little bit further. It's also what Jesus said. Jesus said this, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verse 11, he said this, if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more then will your Father in heaven give good gifts to all those who ask him? Good gifts. This is why I love cross-reading the Gospels. In Luke 11 and 13, you see the exact same line with one change. This is the change. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more then will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, I read that as implying that every good gift that we could ever get is encompassed by receiving the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is also saying... Who can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? All those who ask. Y'all, there is a tongue of fire here with your name on it in this place today. And sometimes as Christians, we... I was repenting a little bit of this last night. We can reduce what happened on the cross sometimes or, or, or we, we constantly will never be able to grasp what Jesus did for us on the cross y'all when, when us being Christian on earth right now we don't just have to wait for heaven heaven's going to be amazing I can't wait and I'm so glad that I'm going to see y'all there that being said Jesus didn't He died on the cross so that we would be reconciled with the Father and cleansed of our sins so that we would be able to go to heaven. He paid that on the cross. But on the cross, he paid so much more because he also paid for you and I to experience heaven right here on earth every day and every moment that we live. I'm not waiting to die to experience heaven. I'm experiencing heaven right now. Right now I'm experiencing heaven. Why? Why? This is what, this is how Peter, or Paul described it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. God anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Y'all, the, the Holy Spirit is a deposit of what we're going to experience in heaven. We don't have to just wait to die so that we can experience joy. Jesus died on the cross so that we would get experience the Holy Spirit right here on earth every day that we're alive. I don't know about you, but that's so reassuring to me. Because when I tell people about my faith, I don't say, hey, if you repent and receive Jesus, you won't burn in hell the rest of your life. Because sometimes people say, I don't care about all that. I'm going through hell right now. I'm in hell right now. You can tell them that there's an answer and a solution right now for them. There's a relief and a release right now for them, accessible, the same way that it is for you and I. The Holy Spirit allows for us. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. The Holy Spirit is a foretaste of what we're going to experience in heaven. And y'all, if you feel like you have been going through it, you don't have to wait until you get to heaven. God is going to bring heaven right here, right now in this place. Worship team, if you would, if you would come. We sometimes have an idea also that when we get water baptized, we only need to do that once. When we get water baptized, it's a one and done deal. Everything has been cleaned and cleansed. All of our past sin has been cleansed. And it's the same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a one and done deal. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and it's, it's done and it's set. But the same way that even though I got water baptized in 2017, I still mess up sometimes. And when I mess up, I still wanna be quick to repent. And I wanna come before God and apologize and repent of that sin or that mistake. The same way the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time deal, but we need to constantly be infilled with the Holy Spirit thereafter. What's What's the scriptural backing for that? Acts chapter four says that the same people that were present in the upper room, Acts 4, verse 31 says this. Again, this is two chapters after Pentecost. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You know who was present at that meeting? Peter was present at that meeting. He was also present in Acts chapter 2. And it says all were filled with the spirit and so what i'm here to tell you is that if you got baptized in the spirit when you were 14 and spoke in tongues one time at the social security building god is saying that he wants you to have or receive a fresh infilling of the holy spirit in this place today if you feel like there was a time when you were experiencing the fire of the holy spirit but you haven't been experiencing it the way that you want to that's going to change today Holy Spirit is here, and the Holy Spirit wants to infill each of us with the Holy Spirit. But it's a gift. God has created this so that we have a choice to make. We can choose to receive the gift or to deny the gift. It's our choice. I feel like for some of you when I was praying for y'all, I felt like some of you have been in a desert season or feel like you've been in a desert season where everything's been dry. And God wants you to know that nothing catches fire faster than things that are dry. For some people, they've been afraid of this baptism of the Holy Spirit and infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like you've been, we've been pouring water on our own hearts so that they won't catch fire. God wants you to know this morning that the same way that the offering that Elijah set up, covered in water, burst into flames, and was consumed by the fire of God in an instant, you will be too. So in just a moment, in just a moment, I'm going to invite. Let me just turn from the 99 to the 1 real quick. What Jesus paid on the cross has eternal consequences. None of us knows whether we're going to be alive tonight. now, there's a moment where if if you are not 1,000% sure that you are going to go to heaven if you've never given your life to Jesus, we want to offer you that opportunity. And it's an amazing walk and journey, and it's worth the choice. And so, every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus, we thank you that each person in this place matters to you. you feel that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, if you feel like you have had an encounter and realized that Jesus is actually alive, give your life to him today, and you will never regret it. And so if you have never given your life to Jesus, raise up your hand, and he will come to you, and he will love on you for the rest of your walk. A moment, I'm gonna invite up front anyone who would like a who has never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and would like that baptism, anybody who has been baptized in the Spirit but you want a new infilling, you want that fire to burn brighter in you. I'm gonna invite you up front in just a moment, and God and Jesus is. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.